this is exciting. I'm more emotional than usual, which is going to be alarming to a lot of you. I cry every time I, I'm here, I feel like. Um, but I'm not, it's just so awesome. Uh, there are so many awesome people in this room that I love and um, have known for years. Uh, my aunt and uncle are in the room today, which is amazing. Uh, my aunt Kathy and Uncle Dan. Uh, Andrew Gordon has known me, I think, since the day I was born. And um, he knows... Um, the, the the deep center of Will Orr more than anyone else, so you can talk to him about that. Um, <laughs> but it's just really exciting to be here. I am here with my wife and my daughter. I have some pictures. I think this thing is on. Oh, no, it's not. There we go. Um, let's see. Oh, there's... Okay, well, I'll, I'll skip forward. Can we put up, put up the one of my family? would be awesome. Um, it is... Uh, you, right there. Pause right there. Don't go any further. It would freak everyone out if you went any further. Um... <laughs> This is Kinsley. She is two now, and uh, we don't normally dress like this. Ben, notice the Reebok pumps I'm wearing. Those are originals, yeah. Um, <laughs> this was at Young Life Camp. We, we spend a month there every summer, and I have a different role at, at Young Life Camps. This summer, I was a head leader at Rockbridge. This is on 80s night, um, and I had an outfit, but we had to like scrounge up stuff for, for sweet little Kinsley there. She's a hoot. This morning, we pulled in, and um, we get her out of the car. She's very vocal, loves to talk. She gets out of the car and she sees the church building and she goes, Mama, this is amazing. <laughs> and we're like, uh, yeah, sure. And then she kept saying it as we walked in, this is amazing. Uh, it was awesome. We took her back there uh, to nursery where she is, which is, um, which is awesome. Joy uh, is here in the front row. Um, Joy owns an event venue downtown. Uh, so she's a business owner. I am on full-time Young Life staff uh, and have been for, I think, seven years now. And so our life is really chaotic, and uh, but it is a fun life. We are always talking about how thankful we are that we are in the position that God has us in. Um, our schedule looks nothing like most of our friends' work schedules, and um, it is fast-paced and very chaotic and kind of all over the place. But we love we love where we are. I can go back now. Okay, so uh, I we do Young Life. This is a picture of um, our our hoedown this past year. Uh, every year, Rock Hill Farm gives us their barn for the evening. And um, we spit crickets and play bluegrass and square dance. Kids, high school students, can you believe that? And it's their favorite night of the year. They love it. And um, we are just blessed uh, to be able to do this. That's me and the amazing... Is there a laser pointer on this thing? That'd be so cool. Oh, yeah. That's me right there. In the uh, Wow, this is sweet. Um, <laughs> yeah, I had to... You have to, like, sift through the pictures to make sure there's no uh, middle fingers or uh, stuff like that with these kids. But we did... Uh, Avery didn't put a shirt on, but... That's as good as we can do. Um, this is us at camp a couple weeks ago. Um, we took a crew to Lake Champion uh, Young Life Camp, and they had the best week of their lives. And um, it is just exciting. One thing that I really love about our Young Life crew right now is that it's a very diverse group of kids. There's kids from all different types of backgrounds. There's a bunch of kids who have never even cracked open a Bible, and that's what we're all about. I love when I'm leading a Bible study, and I, I can say, like this morning, we're going to be in Mark 1, and uh, so if you could turn there, and kids just stare at me with like a blank stare. I love that. Those are the kids that we are after in Young Life. Um, so if you know nothing about Young Life, just know that, that we, uh, we step into the high schools, we befriend kids, um, we try to, to aim for kids that are unchurched, disinterested, um, and unplugged in in any way, and we befriend them, and we hang out with them. Uh, Joy is always having girls over at the house. They're always playing with Kinsley. She's always getting coffee with them. Our volunteer leaders just spend time in their world with hopes of introducing them to Jesus Christ. Um, so that is what Young Life is all about. We're really, um, in Culpeper, we're really committed to this idea of reaching every certain type of kid that there could be. So that's led to a couple different things. 
We have a um, ministry called Young Life Capernaum, which is Young Life uh, geared towards uh, students with disabilities or special needs. I'm a vol- I, I volunteer for some of my extra time uh, as a leader in that, and it is um, the most joy-filled room you'll ever see. You'll never see any more dancing and joy than you will in a Capernaum Young Life Club. I met one of my best friends, this kid named Christian, um, there. And if you follow me on social media at all, you see Christian a lot. He is, um, he's an awesome, an awesome friend, uh, to me. And he's the only friend that reaches out to me every single day of my life. He calls me every day at 3 p.m. And, uh, I don't always pick up. Joy can attest to this. There are times when I'm like, oh, I can't, I can't with Christian right now. I need, I just need some time. <laughs> so I'll get back to him later. But, it is a blessing. Um, we also have a ministry to teen moms in Colbeck called Young Lives. Um, that is a beautiful thing. It's been growing. It's been around for, I think, five years now. They just uh, took their uh, Young Lives girls to Lake Champion. Imagine that. There are 600 young moms at Lake Champion with their babies. Uh, and they get to experience life to the full for the week. They hear the gospel um, played out over a span of six days. And they just got back a couple of days ago. And so that's a little snapshot of, of who we are in Young Life. One more thing, uh, I almost forgot. We are, this year, it's really exciting. We are starting Young Life at Rappahannock County High School, which I am really thrilled about. Yeah, I see someone clapping in the back. Come talk to me afterwards. I'm trying to get all the people I can interested and in, in invested in Rappahannock County Young Life. Uh, they need help. Uh, they have a severe opio- opioid problem there, and it is just a really dark, uh, dark place. Teeny little high school of like 300 students. Um, and my hope is that by the end of the year that myself and other Young Life leaders would know each student by name and that they would know us and know that we love them. And so we are launching that club this this year. Okay, um, you can take it down for now. I'll come back. Or actually, yeah, you can take it down for now, and I'll, I'll use it in one second. But um, some family time real quick before we step into Mark 1. I like to just be vulnerable with you. Um, I am way more nervous than I usually am. I'm like shaky. I don't know why. Um, but part of that, I want you to know, is just where kind of I am in life right now and a couple of different things going on. Um, when I step into this room, I am um, flooded with memories, really, really deep and rich and good memories, but also really, really hard ones. Um, three of the most um, rich and impactful times of worship for me in my entire life have happened in this room. Uh, the first two were... Um, when we held a prayer and worship service for my young life leader, Jeff Stables. And he sat, and I realized, like, I started crying in the middle of the first song because uh, I'm sitting where he sat that night. Jeff, we lost to cancer. But those prayer services were, like, just so impactful for me. And so it's weird now. I'm sorry that I'm already crying. But, like, walking in here, I'm just flooded with those memories, and it's hard. And then I think about the night that we lost Howie, and um, I was sitting in the back. And that, too, I've never experienced worship like that and prayer like that, and um, I learned so much about what a church looks like from being in this room, sitting in the back that evening. So, a little bit more emotional than usual. Um, also, you, if you know me, if you've been close with me for any number of years, you know that um, cancer has just had a huge part, for some reason, in my life. Not in me, but with people around me. Um, so, as I mentioned, I lost Jeff. I met Christ through Jeff, uh, through Young Life. Uh, losing Jeff was really hard, and then... Uh, a month or two after he was diagnosed, my mom told me that she too was diagnosed with cancer. She's still alive. She's thriving. She's doing chemo, and, and she will forever, it looks like. But she's in a great place. I love, um, I get so many questions about her all the time. Um, and most recently, um, just a couple of weeks ago, um, my dad was diagnosed with cancer as well. And uh, that's news to some of you. But it's treatable, stage 2 Hodgkin's lymphoma. And um, he started chemo, and it's doing great. He's... Um, 
He's a role model to me. He loves the Lord. Both my parents love the Lord so much. And then tomorrow I'm going to a funeral for a, a dear a friend, a, kind of a mentor of mine that I lost uh, to cancer. And so I'm just in this weird, um, really weird stage right now where I'm like scratching my head like, God, what are you up to? And, um, and what can we make of all this? And how can we make the best of that? So I will continue to cry. And <laughs> you're just going to have to be okay with it. Um, so that's just to lay it all out there as we talk about some, some hard things today um, so you can know where I'm coming from. Hey, as we begin, um, I made a promise to you last time I was here. None of you remember it, I know. But the, the promise was this. The, I said that I will never come here and speak on a passage unless I have first committed it to memory. Uh, and that was a thing that came from Jeff. Uh, in his um, last days, we spent the last month of his life um, every day together. One of the things he remarked was... Um, he said, you know, it's interesting, we as Christians, we memorize Bible verses. We know generally that that's a good thing for some reason, to commit these verses to memory to heart. Um, and he said, but you know, it's interesting that we we really only ever commit to memory those like Christian living verses, you know? Cast all your anxiety on him, for he cares for you. Um, for God did not give us a spirit of of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Things that we can pull out at different times in life and use them in our hearts and in our minds, right? And he said, you know... Why don't we treat all of Scripture like that? Like, why aren't we memorizing gospel accounts? Things that Jesus, the God of the universe, did while he was here. He said, I, I would love, his was, I think, um, I think he said, I would love to memorize the entire account of Jesus um, meeting the woman at the well. And Jeff passed away shortly after that, and I don't think he ever did. And so I'm kind of doing this. This is a thing I've been doing, and I've so enjoyed it. Um, and every time I speak, I will I will uh, recite it for you so you know that I'm, I'm serious about this. So don't put it up on the screen. This is Mark 1, 40 to 45. This is the old NIV translation, which not many of you have, I don't think. But um, So it's a little bit different than what you heard. But here it is. It says this. A man, came, a man with leprosy came to him and begged him on his knees. If you are willing, you can make me clean. Filled with compassion, Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. See that you don't tell this to anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. Instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. And as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. Yet, the people still came to him from everywhere. So that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. I don't know if you're like me, but um, when you hear the word leprosy, um, you might get an image in your head. Can you throw that picture up there, guys? I think it was after that um, last picture. It should be there. I get this. I get this image in my head every time. Who knows what this is from? Just shout it out. Braveheart. Braveheart. Thanks, Ryder. Braveheart. Yeah. <laughs> I saw it in his face. It was tearing me apart. That's what I think about every time. I can't get it out of my head. And this is probably accurate. Like, I think this is, might be what's going on. The word actually, leprosy used in the Bible is, um, used for a number of different skin diseases. So it wasn't always like this. But what's important for you to understand, a lot of you know this already, but leprosy at that time, it wasn't just a matter of, oh, you know, this poor guy, he has the skin disease. It was a serious spiritual matter. Because what happened was, if you were found to have leprosy, you were declared unclean. 
and you were sent out away from the village, if you were found, if the priest observed you, found out that you were unclean, you were sent out from the village, and you were sent to the hills in these caves where you would live, you had to tear your clothes, you, you had to cover your mouth and shout unclean if anyone was ever around you. Isn't that crazy? You could never drink from a stream because it was thought that the, the, your infection could spread downstream somewhere. And it's all like, it seems so wacky to us. Like We're like, what is up with this clean and unclean stuff? That sounds so crazy. It all comes from Leviticus, Leviticus 13. I thought about um, speaking on Leviticus 13 this morning, but then I realized I didn't want to memorize the whole thing. And so, <laughs> so here we are in Mark 1, 40 to 45, five verses. It wasn't that hard. But I, um, so I dove in, I, I dove into Leviticus 13 and it is, if you've never read it, it is really something. I might just turn there right now and just give you a, a glimpse. Um, detailed, detailed account of what to do in the case of leprosy. Listen to this. The Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, when a person has on the skin of his body, a swelling or an eruption or a spot, and it turns into, into a case of leprous disease on the skin of his body, then he shall be brought to Aaron, the priest or to one of his sons, the priests, and the priest shall examine the diseased area on the skin of his body. And if the hair in the diseased area has turned white and the disease appears to be deeper than the skin of his body, it is a case of leprous disease. When the priest has examined him, he shall pronounce him unclean. That is just the beginning. The whole rest of the chapter is just like that. It lays out, if the man comes in in X, Y, and Z, then he is to be made unclean. If it comes in and it's only in one spot and this and that, and it has turned white, he's actually clean. There's all these different things about it. I found this awesome um, just gem of a sermon by C.H. Uh, Spurgeon on Leviticus 13. And he says, you know, what's going on here is that the God of the universe in his infinite wisdom is using leprosy as a type, a metaphor for sin. That sin is this degenerative disease that infects us. It separates us from God. It makes us unclean. And so whenever you come across um, leprosy, um, whether it's in the Gospels or in the Old Testament, you need to keep that in mind, that God is using this as a metaphor for sin. And then the C.H. Spurgeon points out something really odd that happens in verse 12 of Leviticus 13. Listen to this. It says, And if the leprous uh, disease breaks out in the skin so that the leprous disease covers all the skin of the diseased diseased person from head to foot, so far as the priest can see, then the priest shall look, and if the leprous disease has covered all his body, he shall pronounce him clean of the disease. (laughs) And I remember, like, I hadn't noticed that when I read through it, because to be honest, I was kind of just, like, breezing through it, because it was so crazy. Um, And see, each person's like, wait a second, what's going on here? And he says this, it's so beautiful. He points out that this is a great example of what our view of sin needs to be. That when we come to Jesus, our great high priest, that if we come to him and say, hey, I, I, um, I have a little bit um, of sin, um, but really, like, I, I go to church every Sunday, and um, I even go on Wednesdays sometimes, and I volunteer in the nursery. That, that makes me an automatic saint. And <laughs> I know that I'm a sinner. I, I've done bad things, but, like, I'm, I'm like a good person. You see, you, you can look at me and see that I'm a good person based on these good things. See, each person says, no, that's not how it works. That the only way to approach Jesus in your sin is to say, I am, I'm diseased from head to foot. I, I got nothing to offer. I'm a mess. 
It has taken over everything. He even puts it in crazier words. He says this. Um, he said, well, first he says, if this is a great example of how this works. He says, if Christ, if you are anything, Christ is nothing to you. But when you are nothing, Christ is everything. That is so important. What a beautiful, beautiful um, comment on this. While you are anything, Christ is nothing to you. But when you are nothing, Christ is everything to you. That is um, so beautifully simple and true of our situation with sin and how quick we are to forget that we are, we're diseased like head to foot in this stuff. We don't stand a chance. See, it's person, he's, if you think I'm being a little bit hard so far, listen to this. He says, Every man by nature is like a leper, loathsome in his person, infected in all his actions and in all that he does. He is incapable of fellowship with God's people, and he is shut out utterly and entirely by his sin from the presence and acceptance of God. Oh, answer it. (laughs) What a perfect timing for that. I love that. One time it was a lightsaber sound. I was here, and I forget who it was, but it was like... (laughs) That would have been much more fitting in that moment, you know? Every man, loathsome in his person, infected in all his actions. We don't talk about that a lot, you know? Um, It's kind of like, I don't know, taboo to talk about it. Um, But sin is, is cancer of the soul. I love uh, what C.S. Lewis says about this. He says, you know, you don't have a soul. You are a soul. You have a body. Um, And sin is the cancer of the soul. Sin is this disease that infects us. It causes a separation from us and God. Barring some sort of miracle, it leads to our demise. That's how he begins. And to wrap up in Leviticus 13, before we move back to Mark, um, listen to this. I'm just going to quote him. This is uh, Ligon Duncan, a pastor in the South somewhere. Um, He says, this ceremonial code, all of Leviticus 13, this crazy um, uh, law that they had to follow. He says, keep in mind, all of this reminds us that the greatest hardship that any believer in God could ever endure would be the inability to come into his presence with his people and worship him. The worst thing that could ever happen to you would be to be separated from God and separated from his people. And so here we have this man, I think, fully realizing the situation that he is in. You know, I wonder if we live like um, the greatest problem we could ever face, ever, more so than anything else in the world, would be to be separated from God. I think in order to understand the, the sweetness and the beauty and the fullness of the gospel, we have to first understand the gravity of sin. Every day, like you have to, you have to come to grips with who you are as a sinner. And understand the depths of your sin. It's not talked about a lot. Um, I love that, you know, with that as the backdrop, now we get to this man. And what does he ask Jesus? You can take the picture down now. It's kind of distracting for me. I'm going to watch that movie later. He says, he doesn't say, you know, Jesus, I believe you to be powerful. And I think that um, if you tried really hard, that you could uh, get rid of this like rash thing on me. He doesn't say, if you try really hard, I think you can like get rid of this disease. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He wants to be restored to the life that he was meant to live. He wants to be restored to life to the full. 
And it's this idea of cleanliness, being clean and unclean. And he got it. He says, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Then it says, uh, you know, it said moved with pity. I think that's e- uh, the ESV. The old NIV says, filled with compassion. Jesus reached out. Filled with compassion is this, um, this amazing Greek word. I learned this. Splognitsamai. It's used all the time in Mark's account and really everywhere in Scripture when he's talking about Jesus. A couple things about this I just have to point out because I love this. First of all, people I've been noticing people naming um, their children biblical names. I think Splognitsamai would be an awesome name. <laughs> It'd be a boy. You call him Splog for short. File that away, someone. Splognitsamai. Gosh, that'd be incredible. It's the same word that's used um, in the, the telling of the, the parable of the prodigal son. When the father is sitting on his porch, looking out, waiting for his son to return, it says that he is filled with compassion. And what? He runs, picks up his little skirt thing, and runs to his son and, and falls on his son's neck and kisses him. This idea of being so filled with compassion that you have to act. And even further, this gets really crazy. Um, it actually means to be moved in the bowels. See, back then, the uh, the bowels, you guys know this. You're, this is Providence. But back then, the bowels were the seat of emotion, okay? So you didn't say, like, I love you with all my heart. Brace for this. Husbands, take note. This is the most biblical way you could say you love you, I love you to your, your spouse. I love you with all my bowels. <laughs> that was the seat of emotion back then. It is so odd. I'd love to hear more about that, Jared, at some point. I, I really, I want to know why... How it became that way, anyways, I didn't look into that too much. I want to leave it at that. It's weird, but that's what it means. That they, like, that was the seat of the emotions. That they were, he was deeply moved. Splog needs a Splog. I want there to be a child named that. Then it says, this is the craziest part of the entire passage, I think. Jesus reaches out and touches the leper. I think at this point, uh, the disciples that are there are like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and Jesus touches them and they're like, oh, okay. You know, the, like just a couple of verses before, they saw Jesus exercise a demon out of a person using just his words. So when this leper approaches, they're probably like, oh yeah, Jesus, do that word thing you did where you make that thing happen with just your words, you know? But no, Jesus reach out, reaches out and touches him which made Jesus unclean. To touch a a leprous person made you unclean. He reaches out and touches the man. The disciples are freaking out. What is going on? I just love that Jesus always backs up what he says with action. Whatever he says, he always proves to us that he means it. He says, I am willing. Reaches out and he says, here's how willing I am. And touches the man. This was crazy. The disciples are like... I don't know how we're going to recover from this. We, this guy's unclean now. What are we going to do? You know, Jesus cared so much about this man. Jesus's audio always matches his video. He always backs up what he says. He he feeds 5,000 people with a couple like lunchables. And then he says, I am the bread of life. And the disciples are like, it's easier for me to believe that now. He says, I'm the resurrection and the life, Mary. And then he goes to the grave and brings his friend back from the dead. He says, I am the light of the world. He hawks a loogie in his hand and rubs it in the guy's eyes. And that man can see. 
He always backs up what he says. He says, he says, oh, this, this, this horrible storm that you're caught in the middle of right now, this like ferocious squall that you're in the middle of this lake, you're scared of this right now. Don't be afraid. It's me. And then he stands up on the bow of the boat and like he's talking to some kind of toddler, he tells the storm to be quiet and it listens. He always backs up what he says. We don't. I don't. Maybe you do. I don't know. Jesus' whole ministry was to come and to make unclean things clean. And in doing so, don't miss this part, in doing so, it involves him becoming unclean. He who knew no sin became sin for us on the cross. He touches the man. He comes unclean. And he says, I am willing. He's shouting all through this account, all through the Gospels. He's shouting, I'm willing. I love that. And it came up in the song. Um, He is willing, doubt no more. I am willing to do no matter what it takes to bring you back, to restore you to life, full life, Zoe, life, here and now. I'm willing to move from earth, from heaven to earth, so that you can move from earth to heaven Not when you die someday, but here and now. This life starts now. And that's what he's all about. Everything changes in one instant. In fact, Mark says, immediately. If you're ever reading scripture and you don't know where it's from, like there's no like reference or whatever, and the word immediately is there, just know it's probably from the Gospel of Mark. The dude is is like obsessed with this word immediately. It's like he just learned it and he couldn't wait to like use it a bunch. Uh, he uses this word, Eutheos, he uses this word nine times in the first chapter of Mark. He uses it like 40 sometimes in the entire Gospel uh, of Mark. Immediately. He wants you to understand this stuff was urgent, and when Jesus spoke, stuff happened immediately. He was powerful. So he says, immediately the leprosy left him and he was cured. I wonder what that looked like. To go from Braveheart guy to like crystal clear skin immediately. I think the disciples were like, oh my gosh, like what just happened? You know? Have you ever thought about physically what that would look like to witness this? That would be incredible. Immediately, the leprosy left him and he was cured. Maybe even unrecognizable. Immediately. Then, what does Jesus do? It says, Jesus sent him away at once with a strong warning. At once, there's um, Eutheos again. He just used it like back-to-back verses. I'm telling you, he loves this word. Then he says this. He says, hey, make sure to go and tell every single person you can think of about this. Because it's that important. You need to just, you go tell everybody. No, he says, hey, here's an idea. How about, let's keep this between you and me. See to it that you don't tell anyone, actually. But what does he command him to do? He says, instead, go and show yourself to the priest. And offer the sacrifices that are, that are commanded for your cleansing. I love what this says about how Jesus deals with us. What happened was he had an unclean person. He touched him and made him clean. And then he says, you were unclean. Now you're clean. I need you to go now and do what clean people do. And in this instance, it's offering up this sacrifice. It involved two birds. It's really weird. You killed one bird, and there was blood, and you dripped it on the one bird, and then you dipped it in water, and then you set the one bird free in the field, and the other one stayed there. It was weird. (laughs) But he said, you were unclean, now you're clean, now go do what clean people do. That is how he handles everything with us. I'm an English major, and so I care about um, 
words. <laughs> um, but this is a great case of when Jesus puts the indicative before the imperative. You guys heard this? That Jesus says, here's how you are. Now, because of that, go do this. With the woman who was caught in adultery. Remember this? All the Pharisees are standing there with like rocks in hand. And they all leave one by one. And Jesus says, where are they? Is there no one here to condemn you? And she says, no one. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go now and leave your life of sin. You're not condemned. I don't judge you. Go now and live the life you were always meant to live. You were unclean. Now you're clean. Go do what clean people do. So important. So the man um, goes and he makes those sacrifices, right? (laughs) It says, instead... I love this. I love this guy so much. I want to know what his name was. Splug needs a bug, maybe. Um, he, he blatantly disobeys Jesus. <laughs> like just, Jesus says, okay, I just did this incredible thing for you. Make sure, go now, go to the priest, offer the sacrifices. The man blatantly disobeys. And it, it says, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. Gosh, I love that though, you know? I'm kind of torn because um, he definitely didn't listen, and I think we're called to obey Jesus and all of his word. Um, <laughs> but he just couldn't help it. You know, I have this friend, um, his name's Stephen. We call him Maru. It's a nickname. He's on Young Life staff in Front Royal in Winchester area. And he was sharing his testimony with us one time, and it's really crazy. It involves um, arrests, and he would be so um, embarrassed, I'm telling you this. Um, but it involves this pastor uh, that befriended him and kind of took him under his wing. Stephen was a, just a wreck of a person, so far um, from a person that would ever darken the door of a church. And uh, the pastor one day shares the gospel, just flat out shares the gospel with Stephen and says, um, you know, here's, here's the truth about what this Bible says. And he finishes sharing the gospel with Stephen, and there's this pause. And, uh, and Stephen goes, that's incredible. I've never heard that before. And he said, yeah. And he said, okay, we need to... We need to go tell. We need to go tell some people uh, right now. Like, do, does Mark know this? Does Does, does Andrew know this? And uh, the guy was like, "What?" And then, like, Stephen gets up and starts to leave. And Mark, and then the pastor is like, "Wait, wait, wait!" And he's like, "What about What about like you? Do you believe this?" And Stephen said, oh, "Oh, no, no, I'm too far gone. We We need to go tell other people about this." <laughs> oh, and I love that. Me, for me, oh no, 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 you don't understand. I'm a wreck. That's understanding the depths of sin. I think, but you know, like Stephen's like. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> I'm like way crazier. We need to go tell these, these like good people, you know. He couldn't contain it, you know. And now Stephen's living a life of sharing the gospel with teenagers in Front Royal and Winchester. I just love that. But he bounds away and like, I just love to imagine the scene of scripture when it's not written for us to just imagine what that looked like for him to bound away, probably dancing. Okay, And one of the things that he was not allowed to do, obviously, I kind of mentioned this earlier, but you weren't allowed to have any physical contact with anybody if you were leprous, you know? So Jesus touching him was like the first human touch that he had felt in, in I don't know, months, maybe years. And um, UCLA did this study recently, well, maybe a decade ago, um, that said that human being, beings need 8 to 10 physical touches a day to be emotionally healthy. You guys ever know that? Um, which I think means that I am the most emotionally healthy person on the planet because I have a two-year-old, and she's either using um, my back as a trampoline or my beard as a pull-up bar, and her hands are always covered in peanut butter, and they're always just like all over my face. I think I'm getting more like a 1,000 to 5,000 touches a day. 
But this man has, has um, he has been missing out on true community and what that looks like. Uh, I just imagine he's running up, like, hugging people, uh, throwing some pounds, maybe some chest bumps in there. And he's just so excited to see everyone. And they're kind of like, whoa, are you good? Are you definitely good? And he's like, I am. And he tells them the story of what just happened. In an instant, everything changed, and he's thrown back into this community that he's been missing out on. He can now enter back into worship. His whole life changed in one instant. I don't think that he turned around and was like, oh, this is cool. What, do I, what am I going to do now? What day is it? Is it Tuesday? I, should, I don't know. You know, I think he was just running, skipping, dancing, meeting all these people that he had been missing out on, his family, his close friends that he hadn't seen in forever. Everything's different. I just feel like um, that should be like what our entire lives look like as followers of Jesus, that we'd be filled with joy about the fact that we were unclean and we were made clean, and that should change some things. We'll come back to that. But this and this, I love, love, love how this ends. It says, as a result... Because this guy went and just couldn't stop telling people about what had just happened to him, which I think is cool, again. It says, as a result, Jesus could no longer enter a town openly, but stayed outside in lonely places. I hope you didn't miss this beautiful thing that happened here in this story. At the beginning, we have a man who is unclean, infected, who is cast out from town in desolate places, has to live there. He meets Jesus. Jesus reaches out and touches him and changes everything in an instant. And then what happens at the end of the story? They trade places. Jesus is now outside in lonely places. Jesus is cast out and can no longer enter a town openly. And what a beautiful depiction of what Jesus does for us that he touches us and makes us clean, that he trades places with us. He trades places with this man, just like he traded places with Barabbas, and just like he traded places with you and with me. Because here's the reality of the Gospel of Mark 1, 40-45, that you and I and everyone we know, we are the leper. That you are infected head-to-toe with a terminal disease of your soul. You've been cast out from God's presence because of that. And life is not the way it was meant to be. It's impacted, it's broken your relationships with each other. And most importantly, it's shattered and broken your relationship with God. Forever. And that is the situation that you're in. But God, my mom's favorite two words. But, I think it's, yeah. She's asked that we like put that on her tombstone one day. <laughs> But God, in his reckless, nonsensical love for you, comes to you and reaches out and on the cross becomes unclean for you. It's as if there's a sponge holding all of the sin of the world, all of your sin and all of your neighbor's sins. Everyone's sin is wrung out on Jesus' head on the cross. Even more so, he became sin. Just like we said earlier, he who knew no sin became sin for you, so that you could become the righteousness of God. On the cross, he is cut off. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And on the cross, I want you to understand that he wasn't a victim. He was a volunteer. He was willing. On the cross, God shouts to his beloved children, I am willing to do whatever it takes to bring you back to me. 
I'm willing to do whatever it takes to make you clean, to restore to you the life that you were meant to live. And here's the proof as he gives his life and dies on the cross. And in that moment, you know, like we can get it twisted, I think, with the gospel where we can think um, that on the cross, as Jesus dies and takes our sin, that he gives us this um, retry, this redo. We respawn for those who have played video games. That we are given this, like, try again and try really hard this time. Don't mess it up. What we're actually given is his perfect, holy, and blameless record. Clean. Forever. And for those that believe in Jesus, there is nothing that can change that. You are made clean in one moment of belief in what Jesus has done for you. And there's nothing else in you that is clean. (laughs) You are completely completely and totally sinful. I'm sorry, but you are. Um, I'm more sinful than you, but you are. And the God of the universe is not scared of your mess. He says, I am willing. And he dies on the cross. And we have been restored to life the way it was meant to be lived. He has made us clean. Now we get to do what clean people do. And I wasn't going to say this, but I'm going to end with this. For me, and, and I think I can say this for a lot of you as believers, we don't live that way. Um, in fact, we're much more likely to live with our arms crossed, scared of and ignoring and judging people that we see as unclean. And I think as followers of Jesus that uh, we simply can't, and that um, the time is short, and that we need to be spending our lives running headlong into the mess of other people that the world might see as unclean. That we need to show them that we're not afraid of their mess, that we love them, that we're not afraid to touch them, to maybe sacrifice a little bit of our own cleanliness, and to share with them the incredible news of what Jesus has done in our lives. The fact that we were unclean and we've been made clean. Don't use that terminology, that would freak them out. But to share with them that the God of the universe died on the cross for them, taking all of their sin upon himself, that they've been made clean, and that they can now do what clean people do. Can you pray with me? God, thank you that you truly are not afraid of our mess, that you uh, come to us in the middle of our mess, that you reach out and touch us, that on the cross, um, you experienced isolation, that you were forsaken by the Father for us. And God, I hope that every day for the rest of our lives that we would have a growing understanding of just how sinful we are and how much how loved we are by you. Help us understand the cross, but first, help us understand our situation. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.